Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. Into new beginnings as we lift our eyes to a hope beyond. See all creation, all creation waits with an expectation to declare the reign of the Lord our God. We will not be moved when the earth gives way. Now the silence breaks in the name of Jesus. As the heavens cry, let the earth respond. See all creation, all creation shout with a voice of triumph to declare the reign of the Lord our God. We will not, we will not be moved with the earth.
Well, how are you, church? You good? It's good to be with you guys uh, today as we kick off a brand new series. How many of you, this is your favorite season of the year, uh, heading into Christmas? Yeah? I don't know what's wrong with the rest of y'all. Um, and uh, for those of you that maybe watched a disappointing ending to a football game last night, I mean, what else could we have as a remedy except for the celebration of Christmas? Although one of my friends who's a colleague in ministry posted last night on his social media account that it was official that we had just canceled Christmas after the results of the game last night. So I don't know if you got that notice or not, but I'm I'm going to press into Christmas a little bit more because I need a little bit more Jesus after last night. It's great to be with you guys as we kick off this series. Uh, Christmas is one of those times of the year that we absolutely love. Everything seems bigger and more sensational uh, than ever when it comes to Christmas. And, and this series is actually designed to kind of scale back the sensational nature in which we typically experience Christmas to kind of get back to the simplified message of Christmas, which in and of itself is sensational. And that simplified message of Christmas is that Christmas is all about us having a personal experience with God. And the way that we experience things is through our senses. Now, it's been a long time since I've been in elementary school and learned about the five senses that we all learned about back then, but I, I think I got them down. Um, those five senses are, just as a reminder, if you haven't been in elementary school in a long time either, those, those senses are our hearing, our tasting, our um, smelling, our seeing, and then our touching. And those are the five senses that we're going to explore every week and how Christmas allows us through our senses to experience God personally. And, and so I, I just want to kind of cast a little vision for you. We are going to be touching on each one of those five senses. And I am super excited about this series, primarily because of the Sunday, next Sunday, when we talk about experiencing God through the sense of taste. All I want to say is that if you like the words hot and fresh, you need to be here next week, okay? This is a little bit of a teaser for you on that. Um, so you can completely check out for the rest of today, but hot and fresh next week, all right? So see you here at 9.15. Today we're going to talk about uh, one of the most powerful senses, and that is the sense of hearing. Now, not everyone has the sense of hearing, but most people do. And I believe that most of us are influenced through the sense of hearing at, at kind of like a basic foundational level of life. In fact, how many of you this morning woke up to the sound of an alarm going off. Raise your hand. Yeah, I don't know how the rest of you do it, but uh, I would have slept through service this morning if it hadn't have been for that alarm clock. Now, uh, Liz and I, we went on a, a kind of a every other year excursion. We went on a cruise last week, and so we were gone from the kids. It was glorious uh, for a week. And, um, and, and so this morning when the alarm clock went off, uh, there was a moment where I was like, where am I? Am I on the boat? I'm not on the boat. And it was like disappointing. Not, not that you're disappointing and not that it's disappointing to be with you, but it was just like one of those things. But, it, but the alarm clock was the awareness of life. Have you ever thought about this? In fact, one of my um, mentors, he was a professor in, um, in the doctorate in ministry program that it was in. He's a pastor named Erwin McManus. And he would say, um, he would say that waking up is, is almost like rebirth every day because for the span of time that you're asleep, you're not aware of life. You're not even aware that you are alive. And so when you wake up, it's like being reborn every day. And, and so this morning, many of you, you woke up to life because of your sense of hearing. You woke up because of your sense of hearing. 
Our sense of hearing is powerful. And what most of us hear throughout our day and what most of us experience through our hearing are words. And, and experts in words, I don't know how you become an expert in words. Experts in words say that at a minimum, you and I will use 7,000 words every day. But we will hear at a minimum 30,000 words every day. And when you start to put thousands to anything, it starts to, to, to become uh, pretty influential when we think about how we experience sound and, and that they're formed through these things called letters and words. And, and then if you pause to just think about the thing that we hear the most, which is words, and the meaning behind words, now all of a sudden we start to see that this is a powerful sense that we have to be able to hear and to be able to hear in something as profound as words. Um, words are powerful. Uh, they're extremely powerful. Um, they're influential. In fact, I wanted to play a word association game with you this morning. So I'm going to say a word, and then what I want you to do out loud, disregard your neighbor around you, out loud, I want you to say the first word that comes to your mind, all right? So everybody on board, this is the participatory part of the message. So I'm going to say a word. You're going to say out loud the first word that comes to mind. Stockings. Okay. So, so what I heard was stuffers. How many of you said stuffers? How many of you said Christmas? Anybody say Christmas? Anybody say chimney? All right, so stuffers, all right? Um, Santa. Santa Claus. So, so most of you said claws. Um, I don't know if anybody said Christmas. I don't know if any of you said fat. Um, but, but, but most of you said claws. Candy canes. Oh, I don't know what y'all said. There was a bunch of things. I thought you'd either say Christmas or maybe elf um, because everybody knows that elves love candy canes and candy corn. And? Oh, come on, syrup. <laughs> on your spaghetti. Yeah. Um, one more, one more. Silent night. Holy night. So listen, listen, not only could I, by saying a word, make you say a word, most of you said the same word. I mean, the, the, the power of words is something that we need to pay attention to. Um, the greatest power that words carry is the power to be able to express oneself or to understand someone else. And that's exactly what words are meant for, to express yourself or to understand someone else. They reveal, they describe, and they actually make known in an experiential way what is invisible and otherwise non-experiential. That's the power of words. And, and what we discover at Christmas time is that Christmas is the opportunity for us to not only understand God, but to experience God. And the way that God chose to do that was through word. Um, and so we can experience Christmas in the sensational aspect of Christmas through, through God's word. That might not be a profound thing for you. Um, that might not carry a... a, a a powerful like load or, or statement um, for you, but it would have 2,000 years ago. For any person that was a, a, a fo follower of God or a person of faith, uh, words were extremely powerful. 
And at that point in history, 2,000 years ago, at least from a Jewish faith perspective, God had been silent for about 400 years. Um, God spoke um, in those days primarily through prophets. Prophets were God's spokespersons. They were, they were the people who heard from God and communicated what they heard to the people of God. And, and so that was how people knew what God was up to, was through the voice of the prophet. And in fact, if you go through the Old Testament of the Bible, which is the beginning part of the Bible, over 40% of the Old Testament was written by prophets, people who heard from God and communicated what they heard from God to the people of God. And all of that was great until about 430 years before Jesus was born, when the prophet Malachi was the last to hear from God. And then for about 400 years, there was a period of silence. And then after those 400 years, God spoke into the silence through the birth of Jesus. Uh, that's recorded for us in John. Uh, if you brought your Bibles or you've got a Bible app, I want to invite you to go with me to, to what's called the Gospel According to John. It's a, um, uh, basically an account of Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection that was recorded by, by one of Jesus' best friends, if not his best friend, who, who um, offers validity to his account by seeing Jesus die on a cross and then come back from the dead. And any of you who have a best friend who has ever done that, uh, you know that you could speak with validity about that person's life. Um, that was the experience of John. And so he wrote about Jesus. And he wrote about Jesus in a very specific way, how Jesus broke the silence. How, how many of you have ever experienced silent treatment from someone else? Husbands, don't look at your wives. All right, don't, don't like, yeah, yeah. You've experienced that silent treatment? Well, that's what the, the people of faith were experiencing for four centuries, where they did not know what God was up to. And they did not understand what God was doing. And then God relieved the tension and restored relationship when he broke the silence. This is how John describes it. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the what? Word. And the what? Word was with God. And the what? Word was God. In the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That verse 4 says, in him was life, and that life was light to men. Uh, John, Jesus' best friend, is writing about Jesus' life, and we know that he's referring to Jesus because of something that we'll read in just a moment, but also because uh, after that first verse where the word is referenced, we then get a replacement, and that's a pronoun. It's a, a noun that replaces a noun, and, and it's replaced with the word him. Uh, we know that this is about Jesus, but the way that he describes Jesus is very specifically the word. Now, in, in the language that this would have been recorded in, in the original manuscripts it, would, uh, manuscripts, it would have been in Greek. And in Greek, the word that we translate into word is logos. Everybody say logos. And, and logos um, was an interesting word in Greek culture. And so John, as he's writing this, one of his primary audiences is Greek culture. And Logos has a very um, powerful and influential impact on Greek culture back then. Their culture was not based on theology, as the Jewish culture was. Their culture was based on philosophy. 
And so they had uh, philosophers, not like theological prophets or priests or leaders like the Jewish people. And, and kind of the father of philosophy was this guy named Heraclitus. Heraclitus, if you're in the South. And, um, and so we'll just call him Cletus. Uh, it's a little bit easier to pronounce. He was kind of the, the platform or the foundation for people that you've heard of, Socrates and Plato. And he talked about how the universe was created and how the universe was held together. And he used the word logos to describe it. In fact, he said a couple of important things, that the most powerful element in the world is logos. He said, all things come to pass in accordance with Logos. So in other words, the Logos created all things and the Logos sustains all things. The Logos holds everything together. And so listen to what the best friend of Jesus said about him, that he was the Logos. And and the Logos was with God and was God and then created all all things, that Jesus is the word. And then there's one thing that that Cletus missed, and it was this. He said that no one can understand Logos. And John wants to correct him. Listen to this. John 1, 14 And the word became flesh. And the what? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. Cletus, he missed it. He missed it. He, he was right in his philosophy that the world was created by and the world sustained by and it's held together by this thing called logos, this word. But what he missed was that this was misunderstood or, or not um, understandable. And, and there's no better way for God to be understood than for him to become one of us. Um, words are powerful. Uh, we retain a lot of what we hear. But how many of you know that you retain um, more if you not only hear it, but you see it? And God spoke himself into creation, wrapped himself up in these written words called flesh, humanity. A man historical, a man historical 2,000 years ago named Jesus. Um, the word logos, um, if you, you just looked at it and you didn't know Greek and you weren't part of like church culture, you, you would think it was logos, right? And, um, and one of the things that I've learned about logos, um, uh, starting a church, trying to brand a church and, and just being around some really smart people who know marketing and know branding, um, what they will, what they will say is that, that there shouldn't be something that's experiential in a, a logo, There should be something that um, draws a person into the logo. And in fact, great logos often have double meanings. Great logos are something that draws you into an experience, 
but they also have double meanings. And, and so I was thinking about a couple of like great logos. We've got a few of those that we're going to put up here. Um, FedEx. Um, recognize FedEx? And, and so most people just like, hey, this is a great logo because we know what truck that is. That's a FedEx truck, right? We know what package that is, and we're going to be getting a lot of those over the next couple of days and weeks. So we have this logo FedEx. But what most people don't know is, is that there's a dual meaning in this. Not only do you have the word Fed and X, but you also have an arrow in the white space that points to the direction, that points to them moving forward into that. How many of you, this was the first time in your life you've seen that arrow, and now you won't be able to miss it. In fact, when you pass a FedEx truck on the road, you're going to be like, I see that arrow. And and then you're going to be able to baffle the people that are driving, riding with you, right? Uh, Another logo, another logo, Uh, Tostitos. How many of you love some Tostitos? How many of you are looking forward to that Christmas party with some Tostitos? How many of you know that this is not just the name of the chips, but there are also two people right here having a party over a salsa bowl? Yeah. You'll never eat Tostitos the same. Next logo, Wendy's. You got to love Wendy, right? I mean, except for the food. Um, but you've got Wendy's name right here, and then you have this beautiful, red-headed, freckled child, young woman, Wendy. But then across her collar is written the name Mom. We got revivals about to break out in this place. Experiential, double meaning. And last one, Baskin-Robbins. How many of you love some Baskin-Robbins? Remember, hot and fresh next week. Maybe we'll do Baskin-Robbins a little bit later. You've got the B and the R, obviously, for Baskin-Robbins, but have you ever noticed the 31 right in the middle? 31 flavors of Baskin. I'm blowing your minds this morning. Great logos. They're experiential, and they have double meaning. And when logos, logos, the word became flesh, It was a way for us to experience God. And there were two specific things that God wanted us to experience. And they're actually embedded in verse 14. When the word became flesh and dwelled among us, this was the glory, the glory as of the only father. This is the glory of God. This is how we see and experience the glory of God, full of grace and truth. Double meaning. Double experience. The only way for us to experience God, the only way for us to experience and to understand who God is as he expresses himself towards us and we experience him in this thing called Christmas is through grace and through truth. Jesus was full of grace and full of truth all at the same time. And some of us, we kind of we slide back on the scale of grace sometimes and truth sometimes. Jesus was full of both at all times because this is how God wants to express himself to us and how God wants us to experience him. And we have to come first through his grace. And if you're new to church, you've heard this word grace, maybe sung amazing grace. Um, you, you say grace before meals, but you're not really sure what grace means. Grace is just a word that means God's unconditional, unearnable, unending love. Grace is when we get something we don't deserve. And none of us 
can experience God personally if it's not first through the fullness of God's love. And the reason for that is because of our sin condition. We were born into this nature where we rebel against God. We rebel against God's character. We rebel against God's calling. And, and that can look like various things to, to all of us because of our different experiences and different opportunities throughout our life. But it all manifests in rebellion to God's character and God's calling on our life. And because God is the standard and God's standard is perfection, God's standard is holiness, there's no way for us to personally experience God except through his covering that comes through grace where our sins are pardoned in mercy, but then that gap between our standard, which is sin, and God's standard, which is perfection, is covered through his grace. And so a little bit earlier, we opened with the song about Jesus that had nothing to do really with Christmas, but really had everything to do with Christmas, is that Jesus was God's gift of grace. He was full of grace. He was that through his life, his death, and his resurrection, that covering from our condition called sin and God's standard of character, which is holiness and perfection, and God's grace covers the gap. You can't experience God without it. You can't experience God without it. But once we experience God and we, we step into a life that God calls us to, where we live not under the reign of sin and shame, but we live into a life of freedom that comes from his leadership in us to where we live into the standard of victory, we live into the standard of freedom, we live into the standard of abundance, we live into the standard of holiness, which is taking on God's character for ourselves. And so Jesus, he was full of grace, he was full of truth, and he allows us to experience God in a way to where we want to express ourselves back to God through receiving that grace and living into that truth. Uh, Jesus expressed that in a moment in an encounter with a woman who was caught in adultery. It's found in John chapter eight. If you wanna fast forward a couple of chapters, you, don't, you can take a look at it a little bit later. Uh, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and some people who were full of truth come and they're like, hey Jesus, the law says that we should uh, condemn and we should kill uh, such adulterers. And what do you say? And Jesus responds eventually by saying, neither do I condemn. He leads with love, but he has a standard of holiness, and he says, so go now and sin no more. This is how we experience God, where God leads with love, and he says, I don't condemn you, and yet Though I don't condemn you, I am calling you. I am calling you into a life of truth, a life of holiness. Throughout this Christmas season, we want to challenge you to experience God through the sense of hearing, being open to experiencing God who's full of grace, full of truth. And so we've got a couple of ways that we want to offer this to you. If you're taking notes, you might want to write these down. These might be helpful for you. Uh, the first is this. If you're a person, maybe you're new to church, maybe uh, you've kind of been exploring church and you saw those baptisms and you're like, something about that 
something about that, and now you're hearing that God wants to express himself. The best way to express yourself is through the word, and the word became flesh, and he was full of grace and truth, and this is how we experience God, and you're like, I want to experience that. Well, in just a moment, in just a moment, I'm going to offer you an opportunity to make that personal and real by trusting in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. And you know what? If you want to stick around after the service and you want to get baptized, we'll do that today too. I mean, you're going to go home wet, but that's okay. But to receive that. If you're a person that's already received that, here's what I want to challenge you with. For the next 23 days, to go on a journey where you dive into the Word of God. There's an app on uh, that you can access on your phone called YouVersion. It's a Bible app. And they've got a ton of reading plans. There's one reading plan that I want to suggest to you for, for this season leading up to Christmas. It's called 121 Advent. 121 Advent. It will take you on a journey where every day you'll have access to scriptures that point out this revelation of God where God became flesh and dwelt among us so that we could experience him. If, if you don't dive into that, would you at least do this? Would you start every day with just a moment of reflection? Would you say to God, God, where do I need to experience your grace today? God, where do I need to experience your grace today? And then follow up with this question. Where do I need to experience your truth today? Where do I need to experience your truth today? And as we engage in the word, we'll start to experience God in a very real and profound way that only the power of words can contain. It's why the word of God was made flesh. But I want to make one more challenge to you. Not just to experience that for yourself, but to express that for someone else. And so here's the, here's the next challenge. If you're a person who's received God's grace and God's truth, Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life. If you're a person who's already engaged in, in kind of this, this daily discipline of, of studying God's word and seeing how God has revealed himself to us, would you be a person that, that reveals that to others? And, and so here's the challenge. I wanna invite you every day to send one word of encouragement, one word of grace, one word of truth to somebody in your network. They could be a, a Christ follower, a non-Christ follower. They could be a coworker. They could be a classmate. They could be a neighbor. They could be a family member. They could be a friend. But, but in this season of Christmas, where we know that the meaning of it is to experience of God, would you allow other people to experience the power of a word of grace, the power of a word of truth? You would just send them a note. It could be through text message. It could be through a written note that you write down, not a, a pre-made Hallmark card that you send in the mail with just your signature. It could be something that you send on a, uh, over social media. But would you send a note that reveals what you've experienced? God's grace and God's truth so that they can experience the true meaning of Christmas themselves. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb 